The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I remind you tonight that we'll be carrying a, a special at 8 o'clock coronavirus. Canada in crisis, so make sure to tune in for that right now, though. Want to welcome back to the show the host of the Super Awesome Science Show on Curious Cast, the author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files, microbiologist Jason Tetro on the phone this afternoon. Hey, Jace. Hello. All right. Okay, so the last time we talked was a few weeks back. Tell me about your thoughts on how this has progressed over the past, let's go, three weeks weeks two weeks well it's been very interesting um you know there were so many opportunities for uh, for um, essentially containing uh this particular virus and unfortunately you know the global community just didn't come through so in as much as it seems like canada uh uh, really, you know, was doing its part, and we weren't really seeing very many cases. We didn't see um, any uh, community spread back when we were talking the last time. Uh, it, it's just been one of those things where, you know, when when you're beside a, a country where there is uncontrolled spread, um, that there's going to be, you know, people coming in, and, and they're going to be basically meeting with other people, and it's essentially going to get out there. Um, that being said, uh, if you look at sort of the, the scale compared to other countries, we're more in line with what's happening or what happened in Korea once they started getting a handle on it and far less like what it is in Italy. Interesting. Okay, so some questions coming in this afternoon already. And if you have a question for Jason Tetro, 780-496-0063 is the way to do it. And I have seen this question asked over and over again, so I'm going to ask you, Jason, how long does the virus stay alive on surfaces and what surfaces does it like? Well, I mean, for surfaces that it likes, um, in order for it to spread to you, it should be a hard, non-porous surface, like a plastic or a wood or a glass or or steel. Um, Now, how long it lives, basically, we can keep it alive in the lab for up to nine days, and I'm sure that you've probably seen that. Uh, But the reality is, is it's not about how long you keep it alive, it's how long is it still infectious. And I've done those studies in the lab, and um, you know, when you look at the the what's in a droplet, not only is it just the virus, but there's also immune cells, there's also antibodies, there's also uh, essentially um, um, thick protein that will uh, tighten up. Uh, it's going to be about a half a day, so that's really what you should be concerned about is that sort of half a day, uh, and don't worry about the nine days. Okay. Um, someone just texted and said, um, just an observation, customers too close to cashiers at, uh, at a grocery store, mm-hmm. let's say, how do you think that should be handled? Well, I know that uh, there is one establishment uh, that is putting up a barrier, uh, essentially mm-hmm. a clear barrier. They've had this in Europe, actually, for the longest time, uh, but um, it'll basically prevent the, the two breaths from coming to, uh, t- together. Um, I think that's one of the ways that they can do it. Uh, another way uh, would be essentially to provide the cashier with respiratory protection. Um, but again, we're in a situation where that's not as easy as it may have been, uh, you know, 
before the pandemic started. Uh, I, I think right now what's happening is, um, you know, people are doing their best to try and observe that social distance when they can. And in situations where uh, it may not be as easy, such as, you know, when you are at the cashier, I think uh, until we have those barrier solutions, um, one should be very cautious about uh, the other in terms of, you know, the, the breathing and, and also the, uh, the coughing, uh, sneezing if, if that happens, and, and just try not to sort of put that cloud in someone else's realm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people wondering about this one, about folks who have tested positive for it. Number one, once they have recovered, do they have immunity? That is still under investigation. Now, what we have heard in the past, and this came out of Japan, is that you probably can recover but the virus may still be dormant. In other words, there may still be virus inside of you, even though it's not really affecting you. Now, that may reactivate and come back. Uh, it may die off and you may clear it. Uh, so we don't know exactly. And then everyone's talking about this second wave that may or may not come. We don't know because we haven't really seen this happening yet. But what we do know is that China went through this, and now they're talking about imported cases. So these are cases that have left, gone around the world, they've come back, and we're not seeing those spikes again uh, in, in terms of cases. So if that keeps up for the next, say, two weeks, then we know that that's probably going to be a low likelihood. Jason, someone texted earlier about um, thinking, why aren't we testing for, uh, and this one's uh, over my head a little bit. Um, So if someone who has had this, they would have antibodies in their system? Yes. So So why aren't we testing health people for antibodies to see if they might be safer or would be better for them to be around and treating people? Yeah, and the reason for that is, first off, we're only now getting the test uh, that we can detect the antibodies. They're called serological tests for anybody who's interested. Um, So we're only now starting to get those tests rolling. we're eventually going to get to a point where it's going to be actually very easy to be able to test everybody. It's actually easier to do that type of test than the other one that uh, uh, we're currently using. Uh, and, and I think what's going to happen is we'll eventually find out how many people have been infected. Now, I understand that testing for antibodies might give us an idea as to who might be protected against this particular virus. That only works if you actually can prove that you had the virus and you recovered from it. <laughs> Because there are other coronaviruses out there. There are other kinds of viruses out there. And you may end up having antibodies that are similar but doesn't actually protect you against this particular virus. So it's more about making sure that someone has fully recovered as opposed to whether or not they may have seen this before. Microbiologist Jason Tretro joining us this afternoon. This one came in and it says, uh, from Northern Alberta, and it says, I've just been recently diagnosed with cancer. I'm not in treatment yet, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm concerned about the cancer diagnosis and COVID-19 mm-hmm. precautions. Um, I mean, this is, to me, this has got self-isolation written all over it, and <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you happen to be in a very high risk group factor, uh, um, risk group, um, you really do want to make sure that you are self-isolating. And more importantly, um, you know, you want to be surrounding yourself uh, with individuals who understand the process of social distancing so that they can maintain that distance from you. Um, This is something that 
was discussed a long time ago um, before it became a pandemic, actually, which was if this virus does escape China, do we protect the sick or do we enact social distancing? And initially, the World Health Organization and myself promoted the um, you know, isolation of the sick so that we can keep them safe until this thing blows over. Well, unfortunately, not going to blow over anytime soon, so that's why we've gone into the social distancing. A number of people wanting to know about that soon, <laughs> the timeline. Uh, Jason, mm-hmm. what do you think we're looking at? Well, I, I have to tell you something. I am encouraged by the fact that we are, again, seeing um, in uh, many places across the country uh, very similar to South Korea. So that gives us some indication of where we may be going. Here's the problem. I don't know if you saw the pictures over the weekend, but we had people having a great time on beaches in Vancouver. We had people really having a great time in the parks in Alberta. And uh, New Brunswick just brought in the the non-compliance line, otherwise known as the snitch line. So the fact of the matter is that people are not doing social distancing as well as they probably should. And as a result of that, I think that this may end up going longer than we saw in South Korea, simply because people just aren't listening. Mm, I was reading a friend of mine had just put out a tweet uh, from Calgary. Um, She overheard a couple in her neighborhood saying, talking about the end of the world party that they were going to this evening. Everyone was going to be there and they wouldn't want to miss it. And I just mm-hmm. thought, oh my goodness, what what are we missing here, Jason? What is it that people aren't getting? Uh, the thing that people are not getting is Italy. You see, the reason that Italy has been able to lock itself down is because they basically have pictures of people dying before they can mm. even get seen by healthcare workers. They have completely overwhelmed their healthcare system. We haven't yet, and we're doing all of these measures to make sure that we don't. But every day that we don't have an overwhelmed healthcare system is another day that someone's going to go, well, why the heck am I self-isolating? Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, there's this unfortunate trade-off. And I think uh, Marinenshi down in Calgary said it best. Um, when this is all over, we may be accused of having overreacted, and I'm fine with that. Because yeah. that's a hell of a lot better than being accused of letting my people die. Sherry has texted in, Jason, wanting to know about masks and wanting to know if Mm -hmm. cloth masks are working or would they work? Uh, Which one? Oh, the cloth masks. Uh, Well, the thing is, is that if you have a double layer of cloth, and this has been shown in studies, uh, you're probably going to be just as good as a surgical mask, like the yellow and the blue ones. Nothing is going to beat an N95, but nobody needs an N95 except people who are going to be coming into close distance with already known people who are in late stage of infections. In other words, nurses. So unless you happen to be a nurse and you're treating a particular individual or a medical laboratory technologist or someone like that who's, you know, essentially getting within that almost what we call kissing distance of somebody, if you are not getting into that distance within someone who you know is infected and obviously is, you know, releasing virus into the world, uh, you don't need that N95. Another question wondering about blood types, and she said, Mm. are certain blood types more susceptible? Yeah, this is fascinating. Um, So what we're finding out is that when it comes to um, the different blood types, uh, there are different ways that they are able to fight infections. And we've seen this with norovirus. Um, If you happen to be a type A and you get norovirus, you get that 72 hours of hell. It's coming out both sides and you just want to die. Whereas if you happen to be B, like myself, well, you probably only have it coming out one side and the other side is fine. Um, And it only lasts a day. 
day. So the thing is, is that when you have an immune response that differs based on blood antigens, you're going to see a different response. And so people have been looking at the data coming out of China and out of other places, and they've noticed that, oh, look at that. Surprise, surprise, there happens to be some kind of difference. And so in that context, yeah, there may be more severity based on your blood antigen. We don't know exactly. We don't know for sure. We only have, you know, circumstantial evidence. But I wouldn't necessarily say that if, you know, you look at your blood type on your, uh, you know, on your blood services card and it says B+, plus, uh, that, that means you can just go out and have an end-of-the-world party. Um, this thing mm-hmm. can still affect you. It still can knock you down, put you into a hospital. So don't use that as an excuse to say, oh, I'm okay. Yeah, that's for sure. Jason Tetro joining us this afternoon. Of course, he's a microbiologist. He is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show on Curious Cast, author author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files. Jason, let's take a quick break here. Lots more questions for you when we come back. Sounds good. COVID-19 pandemic continuing coverage on 630CHAD. Jason Tetro, microbiologist, joining me this afternoon, taking your questions about COVID-19. I've had a couple of these texts come in, uh, Jason. People wondering about zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C. Does any of that help? Well, let me put it this way. They're really, really good when it comes to helping to reduce inflammation that occurs in your body. That's why we take them. So whether it be when we're sick or just when we're normal, it helps to make sure that our bodies don't get so inflamed. Here's the problem. When the actual virus attacks one of the molecules that is involved in making sure inflammation doesn't go off the charts, it doesn't matter what you take upstream, vitamin C, vitamin D, whatever, because you've lost that molecule in the middle that's going to help to prevent inflammation from happening downstream. So in as much as I would love people to know that, yes, it's definitely going to help, it won't because of the virus, what it attacks, and what it does to you. And so in this particular case, don't get infected is the best option. Some people asking about um, high-end furnace filters. It says, you know, it filters viruses on it. Does it help in this case? Oh, well, I mean, if you've got a HEPA filter, that's going to be able to reduce the viral load of, uh, of air. Um, so it doesn't matter where you happen to be in your home, in an office building, whatever. Uh, but here's the question. Uh, do you have an infected person or a potentially infected person blowing into your HVAC system? The only place that really matters happens to be healthcare facilities where people are on mechanical ventilation and the aerosols that are coming from them are in high enough quantity that they can get into to the ventilation system. So the HEPA filters are absolutely necessary there, but when you're talking about just in general workplaces, um, yeah, they're great. I love them. I, I hope everybody uses them, but you know, it, it's not like it's going to um, give you any better confidence. Can this virus stay in the air and for how long? Uh, it can when it's in a mechanical ventilation, like I said, in, in intensive care, uh, because it's in these very, very small, fine droplets that come out. It'll stay in the air. It can go up for about three hours, go into the ventilation and everything. However, um, if you don't happen to be in ICU talking with someone who happens to be on mechanical ventilation, then it's basically 30 to 45 seconds because people cough and sneeze droplets, and those have gravity, or basically they have weight. Gravity brings them down to the surface. Uh, Do we know definitively that this virus occurred naturally? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, one, all you have to do is look at the genetic traits of it uh, and, and do sort of the, the historical origin tracing of it, and it's very easy to find out that it came from a horseshoe bat way, way back when. Um, but more importantly, uh, for people like myself who have been tasked in the past to be able to develop ideas for, you know, killer viruses, this would not have been one that we would have come up with. All right. And this question before I have to let you go, because I know you have an important phone call to be on, and I appreciate your time so much, Jason. How long on average do you stay, do you stay sick if you get sick? With this particular virus, um, it's looking to be uh, about two weeks of, um, uh, of really fighting this off. And I've got friends who have the virus who are sort of giving me day-to-day updates. Um, and then after that, there's sort of a convalescing process. I think it's probably going to be closer to something like an RSV than a flu. But, uh, you know, if you do not end up suffering the severe symptoms, um, then, yeah, you should be at that point. By the way, if it happens to be just in your upper respiratory tract, uh, you know, your, your sinuses and that, uh, it may be much less than, uh, like, much less time than that. But we're just learning about that aspect of infection because okay. uh, we have the testing now. One quick one more. How long are you contagious for? Uh, you're contagious probably for, uh, I would probably say for at least about a week after your symptoms have subsided. That's just to be safe. Wow. All right. Jason, thank you for this. Always good to talk with you. I appreciate your time. It was a pleasure.